Hello, and welcome to the Revived Church Podcast with Pastor Todd Mozingo. I'm your host, Paul Garner. Thank you for listening today. We do not stand entirely on our own. Even if we are pretty independent and self-motivated to build things like a business, like a family, like a ministry or church, we are not building the original foundation. We build on the foundation of the legacy of others who came before us. It could be a family business that we inherit or a ministry. It could be as simple as our parents, grandparents, or even generations before that who walked with God. We walk in their legacy. Our children will likewise walk in our legacy. They will build on what they learned from us, whether it is character or values or worldview or faith. None of us starts from ground zero. Pastor Todd takes us on a journey to review the legacies of those who have gone before us in faith, in obedience, in great adventures, as they followed God's call. In some cases, like Abraham, he did not experience the fullness of God's call as it was for him and his descendants. Yet Abraham's initial decision to follow and obey God left a legacy for the whole world, for all eternity. Abraham's legacy was the foundation that led to Jesus and redemption of all those who choose God by faith. What is our legacy? What is the legacy of our ancestors by blood or by faith that we walk in today? What legacy are we leaving to our children and grandchildren and future generations? What is it about our life today that that will be carried forward as a legacy to future generations? Let's listen in as Pastor Todd shares with us the importance of the legacy of our lives. Please listen to the end for some important information. I want to tell you a story first before we start. I want to talk about a man who raises a son. And this man gives up what he wants to do. Uh, What he wants to do is be a musician. But he gives that up because he knows that he needs something more stable and financially secure in order to raise his son. And he makes decisions about where he lives based on the school and the safety of his son. Uh, He chooses to save all his earnings in order to send his son to a good college. He drives an old pickup truck in order to be able to afford to buy his son something new and better to drive to college. And he he makes sure and he prays with him every night uh, so that he would be involved and and be involved with God and encounter with God. And he finds a good church to find him good Christian friends to be around. He sacrifices time after time after time to ensure that his son will have a good life. And his son turns to drugs, ends up murdering someone, and is jailed for life. And in the father, there's just this sense of disappointment. Such dreams, such plans for what his son would do, such visions that he had and pictures in his mind and plans that he dreamed out and then they're just not going to come true. I want to take you to Hebrews 11 and show you something. Hit me like a brick this week. Hebrews chapter 11. We, we know verse 1, everybody knows it. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things that are not seen. For by it, the men of old, everybody say men of old. Men of old. The men of old gained a 
approval. What is he talking about there? In Romans 4, 9, it says this, for the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would be the heir of the world was not through the law, but it was through righteousness of faith. So Abraham had faith and it was accounted to him as righteousness. So he gained approval with God through faith, much like us. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of the things which are visible. And then we know chapter 11 to be this great call out of faith, of people of faith. And I want to run through some of their stories. In verse four, it says, by faith, Abel, we know Cain and Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain through which he obtained the testimony that was righteous, God testifying about his gifts. And through faith, though he, Abel, is dead, he still speaks. Now that's the preface for the entire chapter. Even though Abel is dead, even though Abel is gone, some Thing that Abel did still speaks to us today. What did Abel do that still speaks to us today? Abel offered up to God the sacrifice that God asked him to offer up. Cain did not. Cain in anger killed Abel, but Abel was obedient. Abel was fulfilling the word of God. And yet here it says that through that he still speaks and we go on verse by verse by verse and we listen to these men of old and women of old speak today. Verse 5, by faith Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. If you go on to read, what you learn is that Enoch was a man that was seeking after God. And that seeking after God pleased God. And God took him without the first death. And so we learn through him that seeking God is a pleasing thing to God. In verse 7, by faith Noah, in reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household. Through Noah, we learn things like following through with the great plans of God make an incredible story because what we actually learn from Noah is what Jesus did for us. Though the rest of the world was in destruction, Noah, a Jesus came and saved those who were with him. Listen to this one in verse eight. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, he obeyed by going out to the place which he was to receive for an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land. He was dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise, for he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Abraham was told, leave the Ur of Chaldeans and go to the land which I will show you. And he did not know what land he was going to. God showed him along the way. But by faith, he moved in it. And we see from Abraham that by faith, we can uh, obtain the promises of God. In verse 11, by faith, even Sarah herself conceived, had the ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life, that God can do the miraculous. In her 90s, she had a child, good gosh. She has a child, and we figure out that God isn't limited by this physical world. And then you look at verse 13, it says, all of these died. They all died in faith without receiving the promises. 
the thing that they were looking for before they could see it come to pass, they all died. Can you imagine spending your life chasing a promise of God, something amazing that's coming, and yet you die and never see it fulfilled? But having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on earth, for those who say such things make it clear they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had the opportunity to return. In other words, what he just said was if they began following God and turned back, they would have had the opportunity to do that. But they never did it. They kept pressing on for that country of their own that they were seeking. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. See, they all believed the promise of God that there was a kingdom of God to come, a promised city, a promised country that they could dwell in and abide and they'd no longer be aliens in their nation. Verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, he offered up sacrifice. What do we learn when we, we learn that he offered up Isaac as a sacrifice? In 19, it says that he considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, which he also received him back as a type. From Abraham, we recognize that God can bring us back from the dead. 20, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, his son, regarding the things to come. Now, if you look at this story, we have Isaac and his two sons, Jacob and Esau, and there was a stolen blessing, and there was a stolen birthright, and there was anger from Esau for revenge, and yet we learn that God can bless a mess. Verse 21, by faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. We learn that there's a legacy in our children, the 12 tribes. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of his sons of Israel and gave them orders concerning his bones. Joseph is taken into the bondage in Egypt and he said... I'm going to die here. But when I do, I want you to take my bones when God calls you out of this place to the promised land because I want my bones to end up in the promised land. He knew it was still coming even though he was going to die. Verse 23, by faith, Moses. Moses shows us that we have a destiny in our life. We have a, a purpose to lead. He's a picture of Christ and that salvation of his people. In verse 30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. I believe with all my heart and my spirit that what brought the walls down was the army of God that Joshua met the night before in Joshua chapter 13 that they pulled the walls down and the people went in. So we believe in an unseen army of God. In 31, by faith, Rahab, the harlot, didn't perish along with those who were disobedient. After she had welcomed the spies in peace, as they looked at the city, Rahab helped them. Rahab said, come here. Here's where you need to go. Here's how you need to enter. We learn that God can use anyone willing to be on the side of God. 
And then we learn more from in 32. It says, what more shall I say? For time fails me to tell you about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Japheth and David and Samuel and the prophets saying there were so many of these men of all. There were so many of these people who walked by faith. And then look at verse 33. All of these men who walked by faith, they conquered kingdoms. They performed acts of righteousness. They obtained promises. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the power of fire. They escaped the edge of sword. From weakness, they were made strong. They became mighty in war, put foreign armies to fight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. And others were tortured, not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourges. Yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins, in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of war, the worth, men of who the world was not worthy, wandering in the deserts and mountains and caves and holes and the ground. What is he painting a picture of? He's painting a picture of all of these people who had such a faith in what God was going to do that that they would go through anything to keep marching toward it. They were not going to give up. It wasn't because of the torture that they would quit. It wasn't because it didn't come to pass. They quit. They kept pressing on. They kept pressing on. They kept pressing on. And then I read verse 39 and 40, and I'm laying on my office floor crying. And all of these, having gained approval through their faith because they kept going, did not receive what was promised because God had provided something better for us. No, that's not even the killer statement yet. It's the next one. So apart from us, they would not be made perfect. I don't know if you're seeing what that says. But what that scripture is saying is all of these people who gave their life walking in faith of God, all of the ones that made all these sacrifices, all of the ones that did all they could at these great acts of righteousness, all of these ones that were always constantly pressing on towards something great because they knew it was coming without us, their promise is not complete. That word made perfect there in the Greek, talaio, talaio, and it means to finish, to complete, to bring to an end, to accomplish. What that scripture is saying is there's all of these great people of faith, and their story is not done until us. Why until us. They wouldn't be complete without us. Their joy would not be complete. They would not see what they had been waiting for without us. All of those moves of faith were for nothing if it didn't end up that we are in the kingdom of God through Jesus. I don't know about you, but that puts such a weight on me to honor what they've done. We are their legacy. We obtained the promise that they were waiting to get. We got what they lived for. We got what they died without seeing. 
Why am I making this point? Look at Hebrews 12, chapter 1. The very next verse says this. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, the entire group watches over us. They had a dream about the kingdom of God. They stepped out in faith for the kingdom of God. They did deeds and made sacrifices for the kingdom of God, and they never saw it come to earth. What were they waiting for? They were waiting to see the kingdom of God actually come to earth. They were waiting for the Holy Spirit to dwell in men. They were waiting for a way to do spiritual battle on their own. They were waiting for freedom from the law. They were waiting for the lamb that would be slain on their behalf. They were waiting for authority over the prince and the present darkness. And look what all they accomplished without that. And now they're watching us. And they're saying, what are you doing with the kingdom of God that we waited for and never saw, but you're in? What are you doing with that? What what are you doing for all of this sacrifice and all of these things and all of the stuff that we pressed in for? Like the father who never got to see his son fulfill the dreams. They're looking at us and saying, you're in the kingdom. It came to earth through Jesus. What are you doing with it? Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witness surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with the endurance, the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter. What is that? The accomplisher, the completer, the get-it-done guy, the, the it-is-finished guy, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that, my favorite two words in the Bible, why do you fix your eyes on Jesus so that you will not grow weary and lose heart? I don't know if you remember the entire previous chapter was about the fact that they never lost heart. They kept the faith They kept pressing on. They kept going. Why? Because all of those before you are seeing the completion of their promises in you. They're looking to you and saying, you got what we were waiting for. So lay aside your encumbrances. What are encumbrances? Because I don't use that word in a sentence on a regular basis. (laughs) Do you have any encumbrances? No. I see encumbrances are not sin because it says the encumbrance and the sin. So the encumbrances are weights, they're burdens, they're things that hold us down and hold us back. Maybe things like procrastination. It's not a sin, but it's an encumbrance. It's a burden It holds you back from doing the things you're called to do in God. Maybe avoiding responsibility would be an encumbrance. I just don't want to step up to the plate. I got other things to do. Maybe complaining is an encumbrance. I'm just looking for someone else to blame and some reason why I can't. 
maybe not confronting the enemy because you're just not sure you're ready and able, so I just won't. Maybe fear is an encumbrance. What if I make a fool in front of people trying to use my gift? These are encumbrances that he says, put that stuff down. We fought all our life for what you have, and you're not using it. Lay aside the sin. Let me ask you something. Did Jesus come to earth, be brutalized on a cross, crucified, separated from God, so that we could be set free to continue to sin? What does your before Christ look like and your after Christ look like in your life? Is Jesus just a problem solver for my sin? Take care of my consequences while I continue to sin, Jesus? Are you setting aside sin in order to claim the benefits of the kingdom of God? See, we're supposed to be living a life of joy in the things that Jesus gave us. We're supposed to be living a life in the kingdom of God with all of its rights. We're supposed to be living filled by the spirit of God in power. We're supposed to be living as conquerors over the enemy. And we're supposed to be living the life that Abraham and Moses and David wanted us to live based on the kingdom of God. See, as our witnesses watch us, what will they think of the faith they expressed in light of the current condition of the church that Jesus died for? It could be a really heavy sermon. It could be, but the choice is really ours because when I stand before you this morning and I see a host of people at Revived Church pouring out their worship of God in the freedom they have in Christ, being moved by the Spirit, you know what I see? I see a whole host of witnesses in the heavenly realms looking down and saying, go for it, go for it. You're in the kingdom of God. You have authority over the enemy. We didn't have the Holy Spirit living in us. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. Why don't you go for it? Why don't you take down the enemy? Why don't you quit letting him win over you? Why don't you take this territory for Jesus? Why don't you operate in the authority that he gave you? Because you've got what we've been waiting for, and we want to cheer while you do what we thought we would get to do if we were here when you're here. Stand to your feet, please. Ha! Here's what I want to say this morning. Moses, Abraham, David, Sarah, Rahab, Jacob, Esau, Israel, they are all watching us saying, go, go and do what you can do because you have the spirit in you. You're set free from the law and you have authority. Go be the kingdom of God. I want that cloud of witnesses cheering for us instead of us cheering for them. I want them saying, that group right there, God, you need to put your eyes over towards Stuart because they're 
They're taking that town. They're not going to leave it down. So I'm going to pray. And when I say amen, I want the witnesses to hear Stuart, Florida. Father God, we come before you this morning as the group that obtained the promises that Abraham waited for. We got to step into the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ. We got to take authority back on this earth. We got to see the healed sick, the lame walk, the blind to see again. We got to deliver them from the demonic forces. And we want that crowd of witnesses to know we don't take this lightly what you paid for. We don't take it lightly what you were waiting for and never saw. We can continue to press in. We keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, so that we don't grow weary because we love you and we love the kingdom. In Jesus' name, shout it out. Yeah! 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 Hey! Hey! they're watching you go 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 get out of here go live like they're watching well what did you think has god been speaking to you about any of these things we would love to hear from you you can email us at podcast at reviveusnow.com we are excited that pastor todd has released his latest book called get it together so why is marriage so hard for people why do wonderful couples fall in love believe that they are perfect for each other, and then step into a nightmare? Why are there advertisements on social media and even on highway billboards for good divorce attorneys? And more importantly, why do you struggle to make something work when you believe it should be so easy? Get It Together is an exploration of the design and concept of marriage. It is direct, to the point, and scriptural. God clearly explains his design for marriage, so we just need to learn his design. This book lays out what is actually a very simple fix for most struggling marriages. You will be amazed at how easy it is to begin the journey to an enjoyable, fulfilling, and exciting marriage by learning how to get it together. This new book is available now on Amazon. This podcast is brought to you by Revive Church of Stewart, Florida. You can learn more about us at our website, reviveusnow.com. If you would like to support this ministry, go to our website, reviveusnow.com slash give. If you live in our area or are planning a visit to our area, we would love to have you join us. We are located at 8851 Southwest Old Kansas Avenue, Stewart, Florida. If you enjoy this podcast, why not click to subscribe right here on the podcast site of your choice? That way you won't miss any of Pastor Todd's and Revive Church's future podcasts. Thank you for joining us.